Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. I'm going to start with a story. A number of years ago, one of the royal princesses of the realm coming out of the cathedral service in England, spoke to the dean of the chapter of the cathedral and said to him, is it true, dean, that there is a heaven and a hell? To which the dean replied, madam, the scriptures say so, Christian people have always believed so, and the Church of England confesses so. To which the princess responded, then in God's name, why don't you tell us so? It is widely believed that that was Princess Diana. You see, humanity has always had a fundamental question, what happens next? What happens next? Every day, 80,000 people die. In 90 years, every single person in this room will have gone. Who's glad they came to church today? All right, it's always good, isn't it, to start with the good news, all right? Isn't that a wonderful thought to start the day? See, the human race has a problem. It's called mortality. And it has a 100% success rate. No one has ever escaped it. You might take your vitamins, drink coconut water, become vegan, Pescatarian, carnivore, Pilates, CrossFit, Botox, maybe you've traded dairy for soya and you are really trying to live forever. And here's the thing we can prolong our lives, but we cannot stop mortality. Say that again. We can prolong our lives, but we can never stop mortality. Now, is anyone really happy they're in church today? Okay, it's hot and. Jesus speaks about eternity more than any other subject, okay? In his three years of ministry, he spoke on eternity more than any other subject. Now, you you may not agree with all the things I'm going to say today, and I totally get that, okay? And we all have our own viewpoints on what happens next, okay? Um, But Chantal and I, as leaders of Soul Church, one day we have to give an account of everything we have taught the church, okay? And we can't just give you half the story. Okay, we've got to give you the full truth of what we believe, what the Bible says happens next. And I also understand there is a whole lot of mystery surrounding death. And there's also been a whole lot of poor theology. Um, And the poor theology has actually scared people away from this subject. And I also want to say this, none of us can judge a person's soul. Okay, none of us can judge. And I, I don't believe that any of us Ever, will ever know what happens in a person's soul building up to crossing the line in the final moments of their life. We just, we, we, we cannot, so we have no right to say someone is there or someone is there. That's not our right. God is our ultimate judge. And, uh, you, you know, if you think about the thief on the cross, for those of you who remember the Easter story, the thief on the cross, he was never part of a church. He had never attended a small group. In fact, the thief on the cross never said the sinner's prayer. He never went to Soul Track, okay? He, he didn't do any of these things. 
All he said was this, Lord, remember me. Three words, Lord, remember me. And then Jesus turns around and says, hey, you're going to be with me today in paradise. So my promise today is I won't say anything the Bible doesn't say, and I won't refer to anybody's out-of-body experience. Okay, a lot of people have had out-of-body experiences, but I'm not going to teach on that. They are, they are personal to them. And as I was building up this week to speak in this message, as I was flying back to, uh, back to Heathrow on Tuesday morning, I, I thought, if I only had one more opportunity to preach, if I had one more, if God gave me one, if this was the last message I ever preached, I hope I get to do a few more. Okay, but if I had one more message to preach, I'd preach this one. This would be the message I would preach if I just got one more last chance. And so, I've used this, and Chantelle and I, we made a commitment at the start of Soul Church that once a year we would teach on eternity. And uh, I've been using this piece of rope, it's, it's fair weather, it's, it's come with me and it's, it's done the trip. And some of you have seen this before, but we need to use our imaginations just for a moment. So I want you to imagine that this rope, okay, even though it stops around that small table, I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever and ever that way, okay? It just keeps going. There is no end. There is no end to the rope. And this rope is a timeline of our existence. And the little part on the end, the red part, is our timeline on earth. Okay, this is our moment right now. We are all living right now in the red. Okay, um, some of you in the finances in the red, but also in, in this red. Okay, and in a few short years' time, we will enter the white. Okay, we will enter the white, which is eternity. And what's fascinating, and this is probably, for most of us, a 70, 80 year perspective. This is, this is what we have, okay? That's what the Bible says, three score years and 10. Okay, some of us less, some of us more, but let's just take that as a ballpark, ballpark figure. What's fascinating is we spend 99.99% of our time thinking about the red. This is all of our focus, our careers, our troubles, our challenges, marriages, and all we do is we think about the red. And we get consumed with it. In fact, we give our whole life, and in fact, we, we, some of us are like, can't even imagine that this exists. But today, I want to kind of open our minds up a little bit more. And the Bible teaches us that whatever we do with this little part of our lives determines what happens for the rest of our lives what we do with this little part. So this little part is actually really, really important. James chapter four, verse 14. It's pretty much the rope illustration in the verse. It says, for what is your life? Is it not vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away as we enter eternity? Now the interesting thought around this as I was doing a lot of study and listening and reading around eternity is I could not find one millennial voice on eternity. I could not find any millennials that want to talk about it. And I'm not saying I'm any better or worse, I'm just saying I can't find, I can find a lot of baby boomers who talk about it, but no, no millennials want to teach on eternity. And interestingly enough, before I get to interesting enough, that's because we become obsessed with the white. So with the red. And I would say the majority of our teaching in Soul Church would be based around making good choices, applying God's word to your red. And that is so applicable. But we have to talk about what happens next. And it's also fascinating 
that the young authors of the Bible, apart from Jesus, hardly touch on it either. So that tells me that it's not until you get a little bit older, into your late 30s, early 40s, that you start thinking about this big question, what happens next? John was in his 90s when he wrote the book of Revelation. And the majority of our decisions in life are based on the red, not on the white. So with that, with the eternity rope in mind, I want us to address three big questions today. And the answers to these three questions could determine where we spend eternity. So I'm going to give you these three questions up front, and then we're going to unpack them. The first question is this. What does Jesus save us from? The second question we're going to unpack is, what does Jesus save us for? The third question, will I let Jesus set me free? Three questions. I'm going to race through this because I know it's warm. If you do need any water, if you're feeling faint any time, you're welcome to get up. There's water at the back of the table. We also have a water machine outside to fill your bottles up. So please make sure you're staying hydrated. So we're going to tackle these three questions. Surprisingly enough, I'm going to tackle them um, from the point of view that God is real and the Bible is truth. Okay, so none of this is going to make sense if you don't believe God is real or the Bible is true. Okay, but obviously... I'm a pastor, I believe the Bible, I believe God's words, I'm going to tackle it from that point of view that God is real and the Bible is true. First question, what does Jesus save us from? So the key passage, I'm going to let you stay down because it is warm. Jesus is speaking. How do we know he's speaking in John, Matthew chapter 7? Because it's in red. Okay, if you're new to reading the Bible, you say, why is some black and why is some red? It's because the red parts are where Jesus speaks. And Jesus says, come to God through the narrow gate. Because the wide gate and the broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So, so, so few even find it. And we don't know who Jesus' audience was, but all we know is Jesus teaches three important principles. First of all, there are two gates. There is a narrow gate and there is a broad gate. One is small, one is wide. The second thing is there are two paths. One is a narrow path and it is less crowded. One is a wide path and it is overcrowded. Okay, two gates, two paths. And then the second thing that Jesus teaches his audience is there are two destinations. Two destinations. Eternal life with Christ, heaven. Eternal life without Christ, hell. I want to talk this morning for the next three and a half hours The message is titled, Heaven Yes, Hell No. Heaven Yes, Hell No. Let's say that together. It feels good saying that in church. Heaven Yes, Hell No. You've got to go, Hell No. Heaven Yes, Hell No. Okay, so let's answer these three questions. Number one, what does Jesus save us from? If we don't fathom what Jesus saves us from, we'll never be able to grasp the greatness of what his love compelled him to do. If there is no hell, there is no need for a savior, which means that Christ's death on the cross was needless. So for us, we need to grasp the love that compelled Christ to die. And once we understand the love that compelled Christ to die, we understand what he was saving us from. Jesus spoke about hell specifically nine times. 
nine times in the Gospels. And Jesus didn't just speak about hell, he described it. If you want to go and do some of your own research, there's a parable of the rich rich young ruler, which describes exactly what hell is. I haven't got time to unpack it today. In fact, Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to demonstrate how much he loved his people. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us. In the while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Two paths, two gates, two paths, two destinations. The wide path, the Bible says, leads to destruction. The narrow and difficult path leads to eternal life. Now, in the scriptures, I cannot find a halfway house. There is a lot of people who believe there's a halfway house. So all the really good people go to heaven, and all the really bad people go to hell, and people like probably me, sometimes they're good and they're bad, sort of sit in the middle. But the Bible doesn't talk about three paths. It talks about two paths. Two paths. And now, what I'm about to say is not PC, okay? It's controversial, it can offend people, and you can get cancelled. So everybody, get your phone out and record what I'm about to say. (laughs) There is only one way to God. One way. There is not five ways, four ways, three ways, two ways. There is one way to God. That is through his son, Jesus. How can you say, John, there's only one way to God? Because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As we talked about in guardrails, and Chantal and I, we have a greater conviction for truth than we've ever had. Maybe it's just because we're getting older or the world's getting darker, I don't know. But all I know is we've got to keep choosing truth over trendy. See, trendy is we just keep talking about the red, how to have a better life, five ways to help make your dream come true. And that's all brilliant, but what happens when we cross the line? Motivation. Motivation will not get you to heaven. And no matter how I, no matter how I try, I could never adequately ever describe heaven or adequately describe hell. So what do we know about what Jesus has saved us from? Here's what we do know about hell. Hell is somewhere, and we don't have many details about it, but trust me, the ones we do have, they're not good. Okay? Hell is where God is not. Okay, we know that God is not. Now, can you imagine life on earth without God? And this is earth. Who's grateful for the last two and a half years that you had God with you? through COVID and through everything that's been happening. Who's grateful that God has been with us? God is absent in hell. Secondly, hell was never built for you. It was built for the devil. The third thing about hell is hell is eternal separation from God. When you read about the rich young ruler, it says that he wanted to come back and tell his friends and he wasn't allowed. Hell is eternal. Okay, it's an eternal destination, just like heaven. That's what we know about hell. Hell is not a place where God sends those who've been especially bad. Okay, say that again. Hell is not a place where God sends people who've been especially bad. Hell is our default destination. 
Now, this is going to be challenging, okay? Our default is hell. We choose heaven. We default there. That's why we need a savior. We all stand condemned, but God sent Jesus to redeem his children. Tim Keller said this, unless you believe in hell, you will never know how much Jesus loves you. What does Jesus save us from? The Bible says, it's hidden in the text, it says, the broad path is the way that leads to destruction. What does Jesus save us from? He saves us from destruction. Second question we're going to unpack is this. What does Jesus save us for? This is where we're going to focus just for a few moments. As believers, if you're a believer in Christ, we're going to focus on this white path. The other thing I want to say is this, just backtracking, is I don't read in any part of Scripture that hell is temporary. Okay? I, haven't re- I can't find anything where it says hell is a temporary destination. Hell is <coughs> eternal. Just as heaven is eternal, hell is... Now, God might surprise us, okay? But I'm just going off scriptures. Hell is eternal. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say what the scriptures say, what happens next. Heaven and hell are both eternal. When Noel and Liam Gallagher sung, I'm going to live forever, they were absolutely right. The question is not, am I going to live forever? The question is, where will I live forever? Second question, what does Jesus save us for? Now, a lot of people have created their own doctrine about what happens after death. And I get that. It's such a mystery, isn't it? What happens next? And for many of you, you've lost loved ones, parents, and maybe tragically, you've even lost children. And a lot of people have different viewpoints from the Bible viewpoint. Maybe you believe that you're going to, I don't know, maybe you're going to be reincarnated, come back as a dove or a Lego man. Lady. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, People are destined to die once, which kind of throws reincarnation out. We all die once. Biggest question I have then is this when it comes to what does Jesus save us for? Is what will heaven really be like? which I think is really the exciting part of the text. Because sadly, which is really sad, we don't have any TripAdvisor reviews on heaven. I mean, just a couple. Who'd like just a couple? Just give us a little. But we do have John's Revelation. The final book of the Bible is called Revelation, which is basically a revelation. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. It starts in Revelation chapter 1. And he talks about, in, in, in the 21 chapters, he talks about what the future is going to be like for those who follow Christ. And he says this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. We get a little glimpse of eternity with Jesus. You know, I can honestly say the reason I have no fear of death is because I know where I'm going. Now, if I'm really honest, 
I probably have some fear around how I'm going to die, but I don't have any fear of death because I know where I'm going. Paul says in, in Colossians 3.2, he says, set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. You know, it's so easy to set our minds on this, isn't it? Some of you are sitting there going, oh my word, I've got to see my boss tomorrow. Some of us are thinking, oh, how am I going to pay my bills? Some of I've got this. And so easy. But Paul says, hey, if you, if you want to get some perspective, start thinking about this. Start thinking about where we're going to spend eternity. And you know, often the, the only time we ever think about life after death is we think of it in a negative manner. Well, actually, God wants you and I to think of death in a positive way. You see, earth is not our home. This is just a temporary residence. And it's very, very easy to live like this is our home forever, but this is not our home. We will spend, remember, it goes all the way out the door and down the road and around the corner. We will spend eternity somewhere. This is why this is such a big Sunday, because we get to choose where we spend eternity. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven. In heaven. And heaven is our eternal home if we choose the narrow path which leads to life. So, let's just really quickly, what is heaven really like? I'm going to give you six or seven things which we know heaven is really like. Number one is this, heaven is a real place. John 14.1 says, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. Okay, if it were not so, I would have not told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a literal place. Okay, I do not believe that heaven, we're just going to be floating around with the fairies and the angels on clouds playing violins. I don't believe that. Okay, I believe heaven will be a perfect earth. Okay, whatever you love on earth, you're going to experience in its perfection in heaven. Okay, if you love Ringland Hills on earth, you're going to love the Ringland Hills of heaven. It is a literal Heaven is a literal place with cities. And I also want to say this, heaven is going to be far more normal than you think it is. It's going to be normal. I'm going to behave in heaven. <laughs> heaven is a real place. The second thing we know about heaven is this. Heaven is big and beautiful. Revelation chapter 21, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. Measure the city with a reed. 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one of a pearl. And the street of city was pure gold. Wow. Like transparent glass. Now, we need to think outside of the box just for a minute. Is that okay? As Paul said, set your mind on heavenly things. I want you to think outside the box for the next five minutes. Use your imagination. The, the, the city, the New Jerusalem, which we just described, is just one city in heaven. It is two million square miles. Two million square miles. That's just the ground floor. Norwich is 50 square miles. That is 40,000 times bigger than Norwich. Okay, if you don't like big cities, start traveling and get used to one. Okay, because we're going to be living in a big city. Okay. The Bible says there's 12 gates in heaven. And they're a million miles apart from each gate. I know this is hard to even fathom. But the Bible says God has gone to prepare a place. 
You see, there are billions of believers over the past thousands of years who have gone before us. How cool is that? What else do we know about heaven? Number three, heaven is a holy place. Revelation 21.2 says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Why is heaven holy? Heaven is holy because of what is barred from heaven. I want to just let you know that there is no sickness allowed in heaven. No sorrow, no pain, no death, no darkness, no funerals, no cemeteries, no hospitals, no orphanages, no prisons, no noise complaints from happy neighbors, no politics, no Brexit, no racism, no climate crisis, no COVID. Come on, this is a place where I want to spend eternity. Why? Because heaven is holy. Heaven is holy. What else do we know about heaven? Number four, heaven is the great reunion. There is nothing in scripture that indicates that we will have a memory wipeout in heaven. Which means that what you know on earth, you will know in heaven. Who thinks that's pretty cool? Which means that we will be able to recognize friends and families and loved ones. Who's got a few catch-ups in heaven? Come on, who's got some catch-ups? I've got some catching up to do. I want to I have a catch-up with my dad. I'm sure he wants to give me a little slap on the bottom for some of the things I've been up to. But I cannot wait to see people in heaven. King David said at the death, King David, had, his son died in, in, in infancy. And this is what King David said in, in 2 Samuel 12, 23. He says, you cannot come to me, but I can go to you. Which means King David was longing to be close again to his, to his baby. And this also, by the way, this also gives us an insight to babies and children. That without even the knowledge and understanding of Jesus, they will be in heaven. Because there's nothing to say King David's baby was a Christian or non-Christian. So I want to say our children and babies will be in heaven with Jesus. How cool is that? How beautiful. Maybe you had a miscarriage. You're going to be reunited one day with your baby, with your child. So who is in heaven? Jesus is in heaven. Our heavenly Father is in heaven. Those believers who've died before are going to be in heaven. The believers that die after us will be in heaven. And I'm hoping you'll be there. You will, Morris. But you've got to make your reservation. And you can only make your reservation for heaven on earth. I know this is a real hard hit message today. You're watching online, don't switch off, okay? Because we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. The fifth thing we know about heaven is this heaven is room for more. It says, Jesus said in John 14, 2, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's you. No one's excluded from you. You. No one's excluded in your family. However lost people might seem, no one's excluded. There's always room for more. Our most important job as followers of Christ here on earth is to let people know they are unconditionally loved of God and there's room for more. There's room for more was driving from my hotel to speaking on Saturday 
last Saturday at this conference in Hyderabad, and it's about a 45 minute to an hour drive. It was about two miles, but it's quite slow down there. And um, I was driving, and there was, a, there was a guy in the passenger seat, and uh, as I was kind of getting my mind prepped for what I was going to say and was using a translator, so I was just trying to get things in, in place, he turned to me and said, Pastor John, he said, my, my good friend is dying from cancer, and you're going to lead her to the Lord right now. Am I? And then without me even agreeing anything, he just pressed FaceTime video. And he doesn't give me an intro, he just turns it on her. And says, this is my friend, pastor from England, and he's going to tell you about Jesus and lead you to the Lord. And just for a second I was taken back, but I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been. And in that moment, my friend Sanger and I, for the next 10, 15 minutes, we had an opportunity to lead this beautiful lady, this Indian lady, to Jesus. And it reminded me again of the thief on the cross. Just reminded me again. May never attend a church, may never get in a group, may never serve, may never do all the things that we think is the right thing to go on the path to get to Jesus. But Jesus said, hey, do you call me Lord? And this lady, she got emotional. She said this prayer. I don't know anything more. I may never hear from her ever again. All I know is she made her peace with God. And I want to encourage you that heaven always has room for more. And I, I, want to, I, was challenged that, I was challenged in that moment because often we think that leading people to Jesus is inviting them to church. It's very different. You can be a part of a community and never accept Jesus. The important thing in people's lives is not church, it's Jesus. I love church. I'm a churchaholic. I love it. But the church cannot change it. It's Jesus that changes you. It's Jesus that changes lives. And for, for us, you know, I, I've been at the deathbeds of many people. Been there with Steve Morrison a few times. And one of the things he'll always do is he, he grabs the hand and says, Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And I want to encourage you, never put off the salvation prayer. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. If you have a friend who is unwell, maybe they've been given a terminal diagnosis, I'm going to pray at the end of this service for courage for you that you'd have the chance to say that prayer with them. All the Bible says they have to do is confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God and they shall be saved. You say, well, this is quite heavy, but I'd much rather just talk about this than this just for one Sunday. Because the decisions we make here determined where you and I will spend eternity. The sixth and final thing is this, is heaven is a place where God is. What is heaven? It's a place where God is as the team come up. You know, as, as Darius was, and Melody were, le were leading us in worship earlier, I stood there in the corner and I, I, I literally felt the presence of God in both services, both services, the presence of God. I, I don't know if you felt, and I know it's warm and you guys are heroes just being here today, okay? And I really, Chantal and I were always grateful that people even come to church on a, a really hot or real cold Sunday. So you're here today. But as I sat there and stood there and I felt the presence of God, I felt God say to me, this will be your experience forever in eternity. We get a glimpse of God in church. We get a glimpse of him. It's just a glimpse. 
Who felt the presence of God here today? You think, wow, this is, this is just, but you know what? We can go out there and we get distracted and something comes up and we can, but we are going to spend eternity in this atmosphere, in the presence of God. So what does Jesus save us for? He saves us for eternal life in his presence. Third and final question, we're going we're gonna to drive through this real quick. Third question is, will I let Jesus set me free? Right at the start of this story when Jesus is speaking, he says in verse 13, he says, everyone chooses. Everyone chooses. This is the thing with heaven and hell. I can't choose for you. Trust me, I choose my children's dinner. Okay, because I know what's good for them. Okay, if not, they would just eat happy meals and snacks. Okay, but I choose. But I cannot choose your destination. You choose. We all have to make this choice. I'm going to say it one more time. We do not default to heaven. You don't, your default is not heaven. And being a good person will not send you to heaven. And by the way, being a bad person won't send you to hell. Because we're all flawed. We're all flawed. We're actually all bad, but by the grace of God. We've got to make a choice. And there's this theology that's creeped in the church called universalism, which basically says, regardless of your conduct or your beliefs, you will get to heaven. Well, if that's true, why did Jesus die on the cross? We choose eternity with or without Christ. So the big question here, the big question, I'm going to call it the big will. The big will question is, will I allow Jesus to set me free? Free from sin, free from hell, free from the past. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and it's not as a result of works. We can't get to Jesus through works. We can't earn our salvation, it's a gift. We simply choose the path which Jesus said believe. We believe that he died and rose again and we can have eternal life. I want everyone to stand in this moment. Even if you're at home, I'd love you to stand just in reverence for this moment because I'm going to believe that people are going to be set free from sin in this room. People are going to have assurance that where they're going to spend eternity. I'm going to ask that no one, no one moves around in this moment. I'm going to ask you a really, really direct question. And I don't normally talk like this. But I'm going to ask you a really direct question. Where will you be one minute after you die? Not where do you think you'll be, but where in your heart do you know you'll be? And the answer is this, you decide. We can create an environment for you to make a decision, but you've got to make that decision. And the good news is today you can switch paths. If you're on the wide path that leads to destruction, you can switch to the narrow path which leads to eternal life. But John, I'm a good person. I pay my bills on time. I work hard. And I commend you for all of that. Well done. Keep doing that. But it is not good works that saves you. It's God's grace. And I don't know your background. I don't know whether you're a church type person or someone brought you along or you just happened to flip over online and you're watching. But today we all get to choose. We get to choose. So I want us to pause just this moment and give you an opportunity first and foremost to reflect on what he saved you from. What he saved you for. 
And then you get to choose the path to walk. If you've never made a decision to choose the narrow path that leads to life, at least it leads to heaven, today, this is your moment. You can ask everyone to close their eyes. You say, John, that's me today. I want the assurance that I'm going to spend the white, the white part of the rope with Jesus. I don't fully understand it all. Maybe a friend dragged you along today. Maybe this is your first time in church. You're saying, today, I want to make my peace with God. This is your moment. Don't put it off till tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We're guaranteed this moment. And I'm going to simply count to three. When I get to three, I want you to shoot up your hands all over this building, from front to back, from left to right, online, signal in the chat that, yes, I'm making my peace with God. Are you ready? Every Christian believer praying right now. One, two, three. Just slip up nice and high and say, pray for me. God bless you. 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 Beautiful. Come on. Today is the day of salvation. Amazing. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say this prayer out loud together. We're all going to say it. We're all going to say it, and we're going to make peace with God. Let's confess this with our mouths, okay? It's going to come up on the screen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and all my failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you congratulate everyone who said that prayer? You slipped up your hands. We've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. It's a modern-day translation of the Bible to help you understand. It's also packed full of stories of people whose lives have been changed by following Jesus. And uh, I'd love to give you a copy of this book, the Bible, and our team are going to be out in the foyers afterwards. They'll just have it holding, uh, holding it above their heads online, uh, in, in the atrium and online. You can download the digital Bible app as well. But we want to make sure we stay connected. We have a Connect Lounge for those in the room. Head in the Connect Lounge. We want to give you a Bible, give some coffee and tea, and help you as you move forward with this, with this decision. This is an exciting day to watch people find Jesus as their Savior. I want us just to, to pause just for a moment. And I know it's really hot, and the worship team have prepared this beautiful song all about heaven. And I want us just to sing these words out. And I want you to just... Allow your imagination, allow your minds just to take you there just for a couple of minutes. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit just to seal this. Allow God just to remind us again that our future home is not here on this earth, but it's in eternity with Jesus. Amen. The presence of God is moving. You know, what is our response to a message like this for us who know where we're spending eternity? I think the only response has to be to make sure that people know that there's room for more. That can be the only response. Not to shy away from sharing our faith, sharing the love of Jesus. You know, it's the goodness of the Lord, it's the kindness of Christ that leads people to this decision. And I'm, I've got a kind of fresh, kind of prompting in my spirit that as a church, we've got to go again. I don't know how long it is before Jesus returns. I, I sense that there's something boiling in the atmosphere. You know when God's up to something because church, something shifts in church. And as the world, the trouble and the darkness gets 
dark. There's, there's, there's something about when we're coming together. These are not normal services. We're experiencing something outside of the ordinary right now. It's because I believe Jesus will come back. And so we, we have a responsibility. Whether that's this week or in 10 years or whenever it is, we have a responsibility to share the love of Jesus because heaven has room for more. So I want to pray. I want to pray that we would have courage to share Jesus. Let's not get caught up in this, all the woes and the worries of life. So I want to pray that this week, I want to pray a specific prayer, that if you want to share your faith this week with someone that doesn't know Jesus, by the way, sharing your faith could be a coffee. Sharing your faith could be a hug. Sharing your faith could be that they're ready to hear this. Sharing your faith, but today you're making a decision. I, I've just been so inward, but today I'm making a decision that this week specifically. Now, if you put your hand up, I promise you God will answer your prayer. Okay? Sometimes God's a little slow, but on these types of prayer, He's always quick off the mark. If you're saying this week I want to share Jesus, slip up your hand. Be careful, because he, he will answer it. Might even be today at the garage. Could be an Asda, could be, could be in a taxi, it could be anywhere where you get an opportunity to share Jesus. So Father, right now, we can feel things changing in the atmosphere around us. We can feel the world shaking, but you will not be shaken. Your word will not change. It still is life, it is still true. And Father, we know, Father, our default is not heaven, we choose. And Lord, I pray this week we will have opportunities to point people to Jesus, to point people towards, Father, the narrow path which leads to eternal life. Father, we do not live for ourselves. We live for a cause which is greater than ourselves. We live for the salvation of Norwich. We want to see the salvation of this nation. And so we ask you, Lord, use me, use us, Lord. We pray for conversations this week. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.